be. And so as we look at the uh, book of Acts at the birth of the church, we look at the original design of the apostolic church. And um, the Lord began to give me an assignment um, to begin to train us to understand who we are. But then also, I believe that what we're going to be sharing uh, will begin to release in other areas to raise um, men and women up into to, um, apostolic ministry. Um, and, you know, anytime you start dealing with the apostolic, you always talk about the kingdom. Um, we all, you, you can't talk about apostolic ministry, which we are. We're in apostolic ministry. We're apostolic fellowship. We're still in, um, we're still forming. Um, the Lord is still establishing us and, and, uh, he's bringing us into, to, to form and, and, uh, order, but that's exactly who we are as God continues to progress us. And anytime you deal with apostolic, you, you're going to find that there's always a kingdom focus. Everybody say kingdom. Um, our understanding of the kingdom is very imperative in us understanding who we are as an apostolic ministry. Um, we must understand the aim of the kingdom if we're going to operate in the authority of the kingdom. Many times I believe that one of the reasons why we lack kingdom authority is because we're not aiming for what the kingdom is actually aiming for. Um, I'll say this right up front because we have to deal with some things that have become norms but aren't actually an expression of the kingdom or apostolic ministry. Uh, let me say this much, and I'll start it out, and as I continue, I believe that the scripture will kind of help us to understand this. I'll drop this out here. The kingdom isn't about singular salvations, but it's about communal consecration. The kingdom isn't about saving one person here and saving one person there. That has never been the aim of the kingdom. The kingdom is about saving nations, people, regions, territories, communities. It's always had a community focus. So the, the kingdom isn't about seeing a person saved here and a, and, and, and a person saved there, but entire communities being sanctified, set apart, and, and um, saved by the, uh, by the um, testimony of Jesus Christ and committed to the kingdom community for which um, helped release redemption into its life. And so um, we must understand that the kingdom is not just about saving people here and there, but it's about redeeming regions. Jesus witnessed to people here and there, but Jesus really ultimately didn't want to do that. That's why he died, and I'll get to that later. He said, look, it's better that a grain of wheat fall to the ground and die unless it remain alone. And, I, and I'm going to kind of bring some understanding to that because he wasn't about just saving a person here or there. He, 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 was, he wanted to now release redemption into peoples, people groups, all at one time. Not when one person gets saved, but 150, 2,000, whole villages. Amen? That's always been the aim of the kingdom. And it's important that we understand that. Otherwise, we'll never operate in that level of authority if we don't understand that's the kingdom's aim. So I'm going to start with Mark chapter 12, verse number 30. Start with Mark chapter 12, verse number 30. We'll park there first, and we'll begin to unpack some things about the kingdom. And I'm going to read Mark 12 and 30 out the New King James Version. And um, I'm just going to read this one verse. You don't necessarily have to stand if you don't want to, but it's up to you. I mean, because I know it's our, um, 
It's the way that we do it, our tradition. But I'm going to read several verses. I'm kind of kind of walk through some teaching. Mark chapter 12, verse 30. Um, very, very familiar text that connects with the kingdom. It says, and you shall love the Lord your God with all. Everybody say all. All your heart with. Everybody say all. All your soul and with. Everybody say all. All your mind and with. Everybody say all. All your strength. Right. I, I pointed the word out all, and I'm, that's the only text I'm going to read to begin with. And so you may be seated. I, ter- I pointed out the term all simply because all is a term of commitment. Everybody say commitment. When, when you say the word all, A-L-L, you are act- it's a term that points to the highest degree of commitment. To give your all to something is to give your complete commitment to that something. Amen. There are people who give their all to their careers or people who give their all to their trade or, or to their passion. It is the highest level of commitment. So when you're talking about the kingdom, if the kingdom is to love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, soul, and strength, I want to help you understand something about the kingdom. The kingdom on an unseen spiritual level is a degree of commitment heaven requires before it will come into earth. I want y'all, I want to use that as a reference point definition. It, it, the, the, the kingdom is the love thy Lord thy God with all thy heart, all thy soul, all thy mind, all thy strength, all commitment. The kingdom on an unseen spiritual level is the degree of commitment heaven requires before it will come into earth. In short, what I'm saying is this. A fully committed believer is the gateway through which Jesus' will in earth is exercised in heaven. The kingdom comes through a gate called commitment. You show me a believer that is committed to God, and I'll show you a believer where kingdom stuff is happening around them. Folks are getting healed around them. People are getting delivered around them. People are being discipled around them. People are following them to church. Why? Because the level of commitment that they give is a gate for the kingdom to come in and heaven to come into earth and begin to touch people in the earth's life. Everybody following what I'm saying? The kingdom, heaven is waiting on a measure of commitment in order for it to enter into the earth. Hence Jesus. Jesus committed it all. No greater love hath no man than this, than he lays down his life, right, for his friends. Jesus now becomes the prototype man of commitment. Because of his level of commitment, heaven could freely flow through him at any time. Heaven could come in and raise the dead. Heaven could come in and rebuke the winds. Heaven could come in and and, and, and subdue do um, the demonic. Why? It was his commitment level. I only do what I see the father do. My meat, my nourishment is to do the will of the father. His commitment was a gateway for the kingdom to enter into earth as it is in heaven. Everybody following what I'm saying? Amen. There is a commitment level that gives heaven permission to enter into the earth. In other words, we're not just going to do church and see the kingdom come. 
We're not just going to show, you, you see what I'm saying? People who attend church on Sundays, they're not going to see, just attending church on Sunday, they're not going to see the kingdom come. Amen. It is a commitment level summed up by Jesus in a three-letter word called all. So this is what we got to understand then about the kingdom. Because if that's the aim, then we might be in a little bit of trouble. Why might we be in trouble? Because the aim of the kingdom is not the number of, of confessions. We're aiming at confessions while the kingdom is about progressing in commitment. So we're trying to get people to confess the Lord and the kingdom is trying to progress people in commitment unto God until that degree of that, per that person's commitment level meets heaven's requirement and heaven can come into earth through that level of commitment. A confession doesn't do that. So the issue with much of what modern day ministry is focused on, we focus on confessions and not the degree of men and women's commitment. So we've got people to confess, but we are not making disciples. So now we have tons of people who confess Christ and very few of them actually committed. They have, they've given the confession to Christ, but they're not committed to Christ nor the things of God. They're not consistent in church attendance. They're not consistent in reading the Bible. They're not consistent in prayer. They're not consistent in the things of God. They gave the confession, and if given the confession is it, I'm there. Now I can move on. But, but the kingdom is not about just getting the confession. The kingdom is, is continuing to progress in my degree of commitment until my commitment becomes a gate for which the kingdom can come. My commitment becomes a gate for which healing can come. My commitment becomes a gate through which deliverance can come. See, what we got to understand, confession by itself wasn't Jesus' intended outcome. That's not why he died and bled on that cross. He didn't hang on that cross for six hours for somebody to give a confession, come to church when they feel like it, read the Bible when they're reminded to, give God 15 minutes in the morning, maybe I'll show up in the middle of the week for Bible study. That was not his intended purpose for releasing salvation. That wasn't the outcome he was aiming at. He wasn't aiming at a bunch of people who have confessed him who have no legitimate commitment to him. Amen? So this is what we must understand about the kingdom. To preach the kingdom. I want to help understand the nature of the kingdom. The pre to preach the kingdom is to progress a people in commitment to the king until the king's kingdom can come through their commitment level. I'm going to say that again. To preach the kingdom is to progress a people in commitment to the king until the king's kingdom can come through their commitment level. And so when you're coming into an apostolic-led church, there is a constant pulling into a deeper degree in Christ. There is a constant uh, provoking. There's a constant challenging. There, there's a constant pulling up. Amen. Why? Because I have to, we have to be brought to the place where we bring our cross to a degree where we're committed in such a way where the power of God can flow through our life. Amen. The kingdom is the degree of commitment that heaven honors by coming into earth as it is in heaven. Amen? 
I, I, I need y'all to understand that we, we're, not, we're not just progressing geographically, we're progressing dimensionally. We are to be progressing in him. In him is not just a small place, it is dimensional. There's different dimensions of in Christ. And we are now progressing um, in Christ just like you progress in a building. You might start out at the front door. It's like, man, well, I'm in. Most people believe that that's salvation. Salvation is just getting in the door. Amen. But there's progression to entering into a facility. If I stop at that front door, I never get the word. I'm in, but I need to enter in further in order to be in the body. I'm right out there. I'm in there. And, and, and as we progress, just like we progress in entering into a facility, we must progress in entering into God until now our commitment level is to a place that heaven honors. That's so important that we understand that it's to love the Lord thy God with all. It's a commitment. It's a degree of commitment that God responds to. So, so now... The church age, which was initiated on the day of Pentecost, that was the initiation of the church age. That's when the, when the church age started. The, the church age, which was initiated on the day of Pentecost, watch this, was the announcement that God was no longer raising up a person with a commitment level of that kingdom power could flow through, but a community with a commitment level that kingdom power could come through. It was no longer going to just be one man. It was about to become a community. It wasn't going to be just a Christ. It was going to be Christians. It was now going to be God's power flowing through a community because the commitment level of that one man through the spirit of God became the commitment level of an entire community. So the kingdom can come through all. Amen. So just like he died, um, that many of those individuals in that upper room died by the same crosses, died by the same persecution. Why? Because through the spirit of God, they received the same commitment level, the same passion for God, for the same passion for the father that Jesus had. Amen. Now watch this. It, it breaks it down in Acts. Chapter one. Verse number four and five. Somebody shout purpose. Amen. We got to begin to enlarge our purpose and understand it's more about, it's bigger than personal victory. God didn't die just to give me and you personal victory. It's way bigger than that. Way bigger. Amen. Acts 1 chapter 4 and 5. Acts 1, 4 and 5. The Bible says, and being assembled together with them, this is Jesus, before, the, before Pentecost, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. For John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Ghost not many days hence. So, this is where it gets a little bit crazy. When referring to the promise of the Father, when instructing the apostles on receiving what we know, the Holy Spirit, the seal of our salvation, 
Jesus instructed a group of apostles, watch this, along with 109 other saints to wait together in Jerusalem. It was 120 in all. So the 11 and then 109 more. Why did I say that? Why, what do we need to catch there in order to be kingdom, to be apostolic? They were not going to receive the promise of the Father, the seal of their salvation individually but corporately. They weren't going to experience outpouring by themselves but together. This is where we get in trouble. The church age didn't start with one person getting saved and filled over here. The church age didn't start with somebody else getting saved and filled over here. The church age began with a corporate outpouring that saved 120 folk, filled them and sealed them at the same time. What I want y'all to understand is if we're dealing with the law of first mention, which I don't necessarily um, um, always flow with, but I believe it, it applies, the seal of our salvation isn't just what happens to us individually, but corporately. They weren't going to be sealed individually. They were going to be sealed corporately. We get in trouble right there because we live in a church age where everything is done. You got to get it on your own. You got to get it by yourself. He didn't tell the apostles that. He said, you ain't going to get it on your own. You ain't going to get it by yourself. You and them are going to have to go together to Jerusalem. And if you happen to say you're going to get it in your closet by yourself, you ain't going to get it. Y'all going to have to be together. In an upper, our problem is we think we can get it all by ourselves. But God said, my ultimate purpose for, and my ultimate promise and the ultimate thing I'm ever going to do in your life, you ain't going to get by yourself. I ain't going to get by myself. We're going to get that together. We have to learn how to tarry together in a place. That's why COVID is coming the way it is. That's why people are going virtual. That's why people are saying it just shows us how much we need to depend on the church. And we need to learn how to have a relationship on our own. Because the enemy is after outpouring. Because God ain't going to pour that much glory on one person in their house. But if he can get a group of people to tarry together, he'll pour enough glory to change a city. He'll, now, I know by yourself he'll pour enough glory to give you victory over stress. Thank God you got victory over stress. But everybody's still dying. Everybody's still getting high. That ain't changing nothing. The ultimate promise of God, you can't get it without me and I can't get it without you. If we're going to be apostolic. Hello, somebody. The promise, listen to this, because I know this ain't the way we teach church now. And that's why the church operates in power like the slot machine. Sometimes we got it and sometimes we don't. Because it, it don't look like this. Amen? The promise of the Father wasn't designed to be given out one by one, but group by group. Do you understand that on the day of Pentecost, a clo cloven tongues of fire came and sat on each one of them. God brought them to a public place to have a personal encounter. 
Did y'all hear what I just said? No, he didn't bring them by themselves to have a personal. He brought them into a public place to have a personal encounter and validated by how many other people had the same encounter. Amen. So the church age initiated glory. I need y'all to get this poured out on groups, not individual people. God never intended for his glory just to be poured out on individual people. He always wanted to find a group. The apostolic church is the church that glory is poured in out in groups. What I'm trying to tell you is, and a lot of us miss it because we don't think it that way. We think God's spot reigns, but he actually wants to reign on everybody. In other words, if one person get a cloven tongue, wait, all you got to do is sit in the room because yours is coming too. Whatever happens to one is going to happen to everybody in the house. If one person gets strength, I'm about to get it too. If one person experiences breakthrough, I'm about to get it too. Whatever comes in the atmosphere is now poured on everybody in that atmosphere. You're not going to watch it and get it. You're not going to get online and get it. You're going to have to be in the room and get it. So if the spirit of prayer fell on me, guess what? You're going to find yourself waking up speaking in tongues. Glory to God. Amen. So now what we got to understand is God never wanted to spot rain. He never wanted to put something on one that he didn't put on another. He wanted an outpour. He wanted an outpour. That's why there's so much, so much attack on the, the public gathering. Because God, the enemy knows God will never fulfill his promise outside of the public. That's where the church started. That's how it started. God didn't fill one person with the Holy Spirit. He's filled 120 people with the Holy Spirit. Amen. God wants to place glory in us in groups. Come, glory be. God places glory on us in groups. I need y'all to say that with me. God places glory on us in groups. Not one get it here and one get it there. Somebody else gets what they need over here. No, 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 no. Everybody gets it. Man, if one person got something from heaven, everybody got something from heaven. If one person got hit with anointing, everybody got hit with anointing. If one person got elevated in authority, everybody got a measure of authority on their life. Because God never wanted a witness to be one. He wanted a witness to be many. We must understand that. Amen? We must understand that. But Jesus kind of says it this way. Um, in John chapter 12. Go to John chapter 12, verse number 20. I'll say this before I do that. Before I read John chapter 12, verse 20. Jesus saving individual people one at a time was never his intended purpose nor goal. He never wanted to see people saved one at a time. That was never his end. He did it because he had to while he was in the earth. But he kept on telling them, I can't wait till I die. So I can multiply the manifestation of salvation. I'm going to show it to you. John chapter 12 verse 20 says, and it almost seems like the story shifts up. It almost seems like the story don't make sense. 
because it's just two Greeks that asked to see Jesus. They like they done heard about Jesus. They done probably see some of his miracles. They done saw the power of God that he flows in. And so they're two Greeks. They happen to be in the area Jesus is there. So it, 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 this is where the story picks up. And there were certain Greeks among them that came up to worship at the feast. Go, go ahead, verse 21. The same came, therefore, to Philip, which was of Bethsaida of Galilee, and desired him, saying, Sir, we would see Jesus. We just want to see him. We just want to, we just want to meet him. We just want to say hey to him, man. This man is, is changing the world. We're hearing all types of things about him, right? So Philip comes and tells Andrew, and Andrew and Philip tell Jesus, hey, look, it's two guys. They, they all, they're Greeks. They're all the way from a far way away. They just want to, they want to see you. Jesus answered them and says, the hour come that the Son of Man should be glorified. Verily, verily, I say unto you, except the corn of wheat fall into the ground and die, it abideth alone. But if it die, it bringeth forth what? It almost didn't make no sense. It's like, look, they want to see you. He said, no, lest the corn of wheat fall to the ground and die, it remains alone. He was talking about his death, burial, resurrection, and ultimately glorification when he poured out on 120 people. He said, they want to see me through you. They want me, you, to come tell, uh, uh, take them to see me when my purpose is for them to see me when they see you. I don't want you to bring them to me. I want you to be witnesses unto me in Jerusalem it's one thing to witness for me it's another thing to be a witness unto me a witness unto me when you look at me you see him a witness for me is I tell him about you I don't want you to be a witness for me I want you to be a witness unto me but unless a, a, a wheat fall to the ground and die it remains alone and so he dies raises pours out his spirit on 120 and one person preaches and 3,000 people get saved. Jesus never preached a message where 3,000 people got saved. With that one message, the first message of the church, he had multiplied the manifestation of salvation because now they weren't looking at one man. They weren't like the Greeks trying to meet a man. They saw a man on 120 people. And because they saw that man on 120 people, 3,000 got saved. Amen? Everybody follow what I'm saying? No, no, no. It, it ain't about me. You hearing pastor. It ain't about you hearing first lady. It ain't about you hearing. No, it's about them hearing you. It's about them seeing you. It's about, God, we're an apostolic family. Amen? The reason why he died was to multiply the manifestation of salvation. Jesus never preached and 3,000 people got saved all, to, all together. Next message, Peter pre that they preached 5,000 more got saved. Philip goes down to Samaria and the whole city gets saved. Jesus never did any of that. Amen? He never did any of that. But that's the kingdom. That's the kingdom. And I'm, I'm going to show it to you in a minute. So, so, so now, Acts 1 and 5. It says in Acts 1 and 5, for John truly baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days hence. Now watch this. The outpouring of the Spirit was the Father imparting into a community the necessary measure of commitment required by heaven for heaven to come into earth. 
Baptism brought them into a communal commitment to God. What am I saying? By way of immersion, let me put it this way. By way of baptism, the entire community was brought into a common commitment to Christ. Everybody had the same commitment level. Immersion means everybody was baptized into the same God, the same degree. It baptized them into the same commitment level. So now the church attended had this, has the same commitment level as the apostles. So just as much as the apostles read the word, guess what? The one who just attends the church reads and studies the word just as much. And so now the church attendant can cast out devils. Y'all ain't hear me. Just like the apostles can cast out devils and work miracles. Anybody heard about a man named Philip and Stephen? Both of them did it. Amen. Why? Because their commitment level was not different. They were just as committed to God as were the apostles. Immersion, baptism, a community being immersed in the spirit of God brings everybody not to the same title, but the same commitment. No, I'm not on the prayer team, but I pray as much as the intercessory prayer team. So if somebody needs healing, you don't necessarily have to wait till you get somebody from the intercessory prayer team. I can lay hands on you. You don't have to bring them up to the altar. You're sitting next to me. I'll put my hands on you in that row and release healing because we're an apostolic community with the same level of commitment and the kingdom comes through commitment level so just like the king comes through the pastor the king comes through the member man people say they want to see healing while they're sitting on the couch to watch TV I want to see healing click you ain't got a commitment level to see that amen you need to get in the house of God where there is spirit of God being poured out in measures where individuals begin to cry out, lay prostrate, feel the presence, feel the presence of God. And we think that's just for the experience when it's actually for an entrance. It's inviting you into a level of commitment you didn't have before God touched you the way that he touched you. That happens in corporate settings. Glory to God. I didn't want God like I want God by myself. It was in corporate settings that provoked me to this commitment. I remember I used to sit up there. I wasn't even saved yet. I had bra braids in my hair. I wore Timberland boots. I didn't even know how to tie a tie at that point. Blue jeans. We were going to Life Center Ministries. Bishop Brian David Moore. I used to sit in the back. And I never heard a man preach like that. In my, I never heard a man preach like that in my life. He would preach so that I would lose myself. I never forget one time he preached so I, every time he preached, every word tugged me closer. I got out my seat first. And I'm like, oh God, what is this? He preached some more and then I take a step further. He preached some more, I take a, before I know it, I'm standing right in front of him like this. And it's a whole church back there. And I didn't, I, when I came out of it, I said, oh, my God. I'm standing in front of the whole church. But something that was in him grabbed me. And I said, I know that 
for you to preach like that, you have to be with God. I looked at him and said, I want to be with God like that. Whatever it takes for me to be with God like that, to hear him like that, to feel him like that, to know him like that. I don't just want to hear what you got to say. I want to know how you got to that place to be able to hear that with God. It was a provoking. You don't just enjoy a gift. Glory be to you. Ask, where do you lay your head? Glory. God, I hope y'all caught that. What do you keep your mind on? How did that even come to your mind? Where do you shanda? How did that even get in your spirit? Where do you hang out? Because you ain't hanging out where we hanging out. But I need to know where you like, foxes have holes and <laughs> birds of the air have nests. He said the best to know where to lay your head is to understand you can't lay your head nowhere here. Fox, y'all miss what I did. Foxes have holes. Birds of the air have nests. But the Son of Man have no place to lay his head. Don't lay your head in sports if you want to get if you want to walk like this. Don't lay your head in the systems of this world. Don't lay your head in the entertainment of this world. Don't lay your head in the pleasures of the world. You want to know where to lay your head? I'm gonna tell you where to lay your head. I'm gonna tell by telling you where not to lay your head. What does he say? What does he say? Set your affections. Yep, that's it. On the things above and not the things of the earth. You need somebody in your life that doesn't place his head where you place your head to pull you out of place in your head where you leave your head. Hello? That comes through community. That comes through provoking. Because Elijah was a man with like passions. Yet he prayed earnestly and it didn't rain for three years. Wasn't nothing special about him. But he had power in prayer to shut up heaven for three years. Nothing different about him than me and you. If Elijah lived today, he would probably be dressed, probably not like me, not with these pants on. <laughs> Glory to God, my wife. <laughs> I wonder what y'all been thinking about these pants. <laughs> ah, y'all know I've been discerning y'all. Look at that pants. I don't know if he should have worn them pants. I don't. Did that work? I'm trying to stay in the spirit, Jesus. <laughs> Go ahead and get out your pants stuff, you know. <laughs> Let's get back to business. Everybody all right? All right. All right. I love y'all. I love y'all. Amen. So let's, let's, let's look at this. And so now, an apostle's assignment, watch this, and I said it before, but I want to repeat it. An apostle's assignment is to progress a people in commitment to the king until the king's kingdom can come through their commitment level. In other words, we always say God is not done with us, but that's true. He ain't just working on you. 
he's, he's now, he, he's not just working on you to fix you. He's working on you to focus you, to bring you into a focus that can't be distracted. A, come on, to have a single eye. That's what the Lord is bringing you into. Amen. And so until there is a communal consistency in commitment to the king, that's the apostolic work. It's to continue to tug on your heart till you give more of it. Continue to tug on your soul till you give more of it. Continue. I know we've given it, but we got to get to a place where, where now when people come through those doors, we are so in, in a place of heart posture of all to God, in commitment to God. When they step through the doors, they don't know if they done left and went into heaven or they're still in earth. All I know is when I come in there, it's not normal. The atmosphere ain't normal. The people ain't normal. The singing ain't normal. The prayer ain't normal. The preaching ain't normal. The way I feel ain't normal. Stuff that used to bother me, when I get in there, it comes off of me. All I know is is when I get in that place I start feeling like I need Jesus I want to surrender to God every message it seems like he's talking about me amen like he was talking right at me what's happening a people's commitment level is giving heaven access to earth so when they come in in a place in earth they can experience the influence of heaven amen so, in an apostolic church, those who don't have titles are just as committed to living a consecrated life as those who do have titles. So, when they open their mouths, glory falls just like when the leaders do. And so, so man, we're living in a time, I expect that to happen all the time. People are going to be delivered, and I don't know about it until later. Talk about whole deliverances, folk getting healed, and I ain't, they tell me about it. Amen? Because my job is to equip the saints for the work. Amen? But when that individual grabs that apostolic heart, they begin to operate in an apostle's reward. In those authorities. Amen? In, the, in that power, in that anointing. So the common commitment level of an entire community is the key for the kingdom to come in through an entire community. Trying to help you understand where God is taking us. God wants an entire, the king to be able to come in through an entire community. Why does Yahweh want to pour out his spirit, or his glory on groups and not just individuals? Because he wants to transform entire territories. If one can chase a thousand and two can put 10,000 to flight, man, it's at least 35 of us in here. Florence ain't got a chance. Just, do you, do you understand what happened to 120 people? The, we're still living in the result of what broke out. It didn't just cover the earth in their time. It went beyond their time and is still operating in ours. Amen? Uh, glory be to God. Just one group of people that got fully immersed together. The promise of the Father. Ain't that awesome that, that that's what God wants to do in the current church model doesn't tell us that. But if you look back at Israel, they were delivered together. Amen. They all were brought out of Egypt at the same time together. They were brought to Mount Horab to see God together. Amen. They entered into the promise. What? Together. Amen. God gave them the law together. 
Everything God did, he did together with the people. And the only reason why he pulled out a person is because the people wouldn't commit. Y'all know that, right? When he first brought Israel out, his, uh, he, he was not trying to create the Levitical system. That was because all the people wouldn't cooperate, so he had to pull out a tribe that would. And then out of that tribe, he had to pull out a high priest that would. And then he had to raise up prophets because the nation. And so he always had to pull out a person because he never had a people. That was the promise. That was because we had to wait for the promise of God. When God could bring a whole community into a commitment level for the kingdom to come. Amen. Now watch this. Luke chapter 24 verse 49. It says. In Luke 24 verse 49. And behold. I send the promise of the Father upon you, but tarry ye in the city of Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Acts 1 and 4, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, you have heard of me. Jesus says, in order for this glory to fall on you. In order for glory to fall on you in groups, in order for people to be immersed, a community that can change the culture, that can change the region, he says, I need you to tarry in Jerusalem. Everybody say Jerusalem. Until you be endued with power from on high. Now, I need y'all to understand something, that Jerusalem, the Bible talks about a Jerusalem that is above, a heavenly Jerusalem. So Jerusalem isn't just a geographical place, but it speaks of a spiritual position. I believe that people still have to tarry in Jerusalem if we're going to be immersed together in, in the spirit of God when he falls. We're about to enter into a season, man, where it's going to be heavy glory every time we get together. And, and, and God is trying to grab every head and dip it. He's trying to bring everybody in. But we got to understand the importance of tarrying in Jerusalem. Amen. I'm, I'm speaking of spiritual things. Jerusalem means double peace. Everybody say double peace. An apostolic work... Amen. An apostolic ministry is initiated from double peace. An apostle will always lead people into peace. Not just peace, but double peace. Dual peace. What does double peace mean? It means not just peace in action, but peace in inward condition. Because sometimes we hold our peace, but we don't have peace. See, there's people who know how to hold their peace that are not walking in peace. I just held my peace, but I almost gave it to you. Hello, somebody. I'm going to hold my peace. That's not double peace. That's single peace. You kept your peace outwardly, but you have no peace inwardly. Double peace. Why, does it, why is Jerusalem double peace? Because it's peace on the outward level and inward level. Amen? Bless the Lord. Sometimes we don't carry out the action but Lord knows we wanted to do everything but hold our peace inwardly. Matter of fact, we didn't inwardly. Hello? Amen? And y'all know it's just a matter of time. You can't keep on holding your peace. If you don't got double peace, eventually peace is going to turn into war. Y'all know that, right? I just had enough. I just got fed up. No, you just never had peace. You just didn't say nothing. Amen? So now God says, in order for Pentecost to break out for a people, I need an entire people to tarry in a place called double peace. Now, I wonder we don't get fully immersed. You know why? 
Because we don't understand Jesus wasn't saying enter into a place of double peace as an option. That's a requirement. I need you to go and tarry in Jerusalem. Now, if you understand the timing of Jesus telling them that, you would understand that this time they were, the, 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 the high priests and the government thought they had the upper hand. They were trying to annihilate the followers of Christ. Jerusalem was the place of highest persecution. Jesus literally says, go into the place of persecution and hold your position in a posture of peace. Amen? Because peace has nothing to do with situation. So it's not situational, situational, it's spiritual. So he tells them, I need you all to go to a place called double peace and wait there until I pour something on everybody, until I immerse everybody. That's what God is calling us to right now. He's calling us to walk in the peace of God. Amen. That's what holds individuals back from corporate immersing and corporate baptism, a lack of peace. It's like, man, you just don't know what's going on in my home. You don't know everything that I'm feeling. God said, go and stay there. In other words, peace is a choice. Amen? Come on, I need somebody to say peace is a choice. And if peace isn't a choice for us, we got to ask, is the prince of peace living in us? If I lose my peace and I don't have any control, you see what I'm saying? If peace ain't a choice, then do I have the prince of peace living in me? Peace is a choice. Nobody can take your peace. Y'all know that, right? Glory to God. You understand how many things we miss out on because we don't know that? We'll actually blame somebody else for a dysfunction in ourselves. But when you said that, it just set me off. I'm sorry. No, that's, a, that's something broken in you. You can't hold your peace. Nobody can make us do anything. Y'all understand what I'm saying? And so the, what the Lord says is, I'm going to put you in the midst of a press, and I'm going to demand you remain in peace. I'm going to teach you how to stay in peace. You want to know how to live in peace? You're not going to learn when it's peaceful. The, the classroom of peace is a storm. Hello? Ain't that what Jesus did? He waited to a storm and then got stood up at the storm and said, Peace, I'm trying to teach you about peace. I don't give you peace when everything is working your way. I give you peace when ain't nothing working your way. Because peace is a choice. As long as you keep peace on an emotional level, you ain't got no choice. Because that's carnal mindedness. But to be spiritually minded, y'all ain't talking to me, is life and life and peace. If you ain't got peace, you're being carnal. Come on, somebody. There's some flesh that got to get killed. So why did God put me in a place where I lost my peace? So I can get the hammer and nails and kill my flesh. So I can live in life and tarry there. Come on, we're about to hold our position. Come on, we're about to hold our position in a place called peace. And something is about to pour on our heads. Something is about to baptize. 
baptize us. There's a power that's about to hit this house. Come on, I need everybody to just stand to your feet and just bless the Lord one good time. Come on, hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. Come on, hallelujah. God, I bless you and thank you right now. Father, I pray for every man and woman under the sound of my voice. I thank you for the power of God that comes in into a heart and the mind of the believer. I thank you, Lord God, that you are releasing Jerusalem upon this house right now. Double peace. Lord God, peace in action, peace in inward condition. I thank you and bless you right now in the name of Jesus. I call the house out of any measure of flesh, carnal mindedness that's death and I call the house into life and peace right now in the mighty name of Jesus life over your sleep peace over your sleep life over your marriage peace over your marriage life over your job peace over your job life over your assignment peace over your assignment I decree and declare it right now I open up the space of peace and I give grace I speak grace over the people of God to tarry there until they there's another power that hits our life until there's another anointing that falls on our head until there's an elevation in the spirit I need you to tarry in Jerusalem for my sake because there's certain things that God won't pour on this house God said Terry I need a whole people that know Peter, you can't hang out in Galilee while, they, while they're in Jerusalem. Peter, you can't hang out in Capernaum. I need everybody in peace because there's a cup I'm ready to pour. Amen? See, we can come to church, but we can't stay in. See, there's sometimes we're in the right place naturally, but we, we, we willingly go to the wrong place. This ain't that time where you entertain things that take peace. Amen? Terry. Because I'm telling you, something's about to hit this house. And something is about to hit our life. Together, that's going to rock. Glory be to God. Do you know every time people were filled with the Spirit in the book of Acts, usually it was more than one? When they were filled with the Spirit, um, it was 120. The next time... The, 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 they were persecuted, and they said, don't preach in this name no more. Threw them in the common prison. The, um, the angel of the Lord came, released them from the common prison. They went and prayed for boldness. And the Bible says the Spirit of God filled them again. Filled everybody in the house with boldness. And the Bible says it shook the earth when that feeling. Why? Because boldness gives you the power to shake up stuff around you. And the Bible says that when Peter preached to Cornelius' house, everybody that heard the word, the Bible said it like this, and he fell on them. Every time somebody was baptized in the Spirit, it was always in groups. And why have we so individualized? Because the enemy is trying to pull us from apostolic structure. We have a right to get some stuff together. You have, a, if I get it, you get it. You got, come on, if you get it, we got a right to get some stuff together. But I need you to tarry in Jerusalem with me till we be endued with power from on high. So, Father, I bless you and I thank you and I seal this word. It's in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray even now. Amen.
Amen. Come on, just bless them one good time.